Hello everyone, this is Pastor Alex Alejandro reminding you that one encounter with Jesus Christ changes everything. God bless you and thanks for listening. Glory to God. So I want to begin in Acts chapter 9. This is verses 1 through 22. And, and this is the account of Saul uh, of Tarsus. If you, if, you, if you recognize the name, Saul of Tarsus. Now, he, he becomes what we know now as Paul. He becomes Paul. So think about that. His name did not stay the same because he was not the same. God did a, did a work in this man's life. He changed his whole perspective. He changed his whole persona. Everything about this person changed in a miraculous way when God encountered him. Amen? Now, as far as the encounter goes, I don't think I want God to encounter me in this way because he, Jesus was coming to Saul because Saul was in the wrong Saul believed that he was serving the church, but he really wasn't. He thought he was serving the one true God, but he really wasn't. He was, he was deceived. And so his life reflected that. But it wasn't until Jesus Christ came to him and he audibly and visually showed him the way that his life changed. So it was almost like he was coming to him to to say, hey, buddy, let me, let me tell you what the real thing here is, you know? And, and, and he... He, he came to him in that way. So, so his encounter is powerful. And, and to tell you the truth, I'd rather have God come to me in a nicer way. <laughs> I want nicer encounters than what Saul encountered because uh, he brought him down pretty quick uh, because uh, of what he was doing. So let's read in, in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 22. Verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. So already we begin in the first sentence, this guy did not like Jesus' disciples. He did not appreciate what they were saying and what they were preaching because uh, Saul uh, was a Pharisee. He was one of those people that was uh, still waiting for the Messiah. They did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So when Jesus was crucified and when he died, uh, they were actually going... Oh, thank goodness that that's over. But we know that wasn't over. But they just they thought they thought this is the time now that we can take back control. And so Saul, his purpose was to to bring down the disciples of Jesus Christ. It says he went unto the high priest. So here he goes to the leader and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of of this way of the way of Jesus whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to, unto Jerusalem. Verse 3, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, he said Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. 
Amen? So I'm going to stop right there before we go on. But there's the encounter that he had with Jesus. Jesus humbled Saul. Amen? How many know sometimes we need to be humbled? A lot of times we get a little bit high and mighty sometimes. Amen? And it happens. Hey, I'm going to raise my hand. I've done that too. We're human. We make mistakes. But as children in Christ, we are called to a higher standard. Amen? Not, not, not a higher stat, a state of, of mind in our own selves. Not, not a higher than other people. No, we're called to a higher standard that Christ placed on earth. Jesus Christ said, I'm here to serve. The Son of God said, I'm going to be humble and I'm going to show you that example that you must be humble, that you must be humble before God and you must serve and you must love others as yourself and you must serve them. That's the law that I bring to you. Amen. And so here Saul, he's brought down to his knees. I don't know how far he went. I'm pretty sure he's probably face down because if you can imagine a light from heaven shining all around you, it must have been the brightest light he ever saw. Because I bet it just it blinded him. And physically, he was blinded. Jesus took away his sight. Amen? He took away his sight. He took away the view that he had. So let's think about that. When Jesus wants to make things brand new in your life, He's going to remove the way you were seeing before. He's going to remove that. Because before, your sight, your vision had to do with self and sin. Amen? When Jesus comes into your life and he redirects everything in your life, he's going to give you a new way of seeing. He's going to blind you to the things of the earth, of the world, and of sin in a way that you don't want to be that anymore. And he's going to redirect your eyesight, your vision toward him. And you're going to see people in a new way. You're going to see situations in a new way. Your whole view of the world will be brand new. And this is what he was doing physically to Saul. Because he was seeing in a different way that was not aligned to God. He believed, he thought that he was serving the one true God. But he was actually deceived. And Jesus is trying to show him the new way. Glory to God. So number one this morning, I want to, I want to tell you something before we move on. Number one, God can change anyone. Amen. We got to believe that he can change anyone, no matter their past or or background circumstances or sin or, or whatever their life was, he can change anyone and he can use anyone. He can use anyone. Number two, God will take care of your past and use it to create new, a new future with purpose, power, and direction. Glory to God. Aren't you glad that he can do that? We would be lost. We would stay lost if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. We would stay lost. We would stay lost in sin and we would stay lost in where we're going. We would not have any direction or hope or peace in our life. Think about the importance of that in life. How many here want their life to have purpose? Glory to God. How many here want their life to have purpose? Right? How many here want to live a life of empowerment through God and the Holy Spirit? 
And how many here want a direction? Glory to God. Amen. That's what we all want. And, and, to, and to be honest, before any of us even understood who God was and who Jesus Christ was in our life, we still wanted those things. Because that is a that is birthed in us. We are born with the need to belong, to be needed, to be loved, and to have a purpose and a direction. But it's only when we come to God through Jesus Christ that we know the real purpose and power and direction in our life. So God's going to do that. Number three, God can change our perspective on life to align to his vision for us. See, we're, we all, again, we all come to this earth with some kind of background, some kind of perspective of life. We all come with our own uh, understanding of life, depending on how we grew up. We all come with something that's already there stamped in our brain. And God wants to say, I'm going to erase that and I'm going to, I'm going to give you a new direction, a new understanding for this world and this life. And that's what he was doing with Saul. Let's look at verse 7. So chapter 9, verse 7, continuing here. And the man which journeyed with him stood speechless. He was not alone. He was riding with other companions there. And they were just speechless. Hearing a voice, but seeing no man. So can you picture this now? They're standing there and they're hearing a voice. But there's nobody around. And they're hearing this voice speaking to Saul. And they, and they don't know what's going on. They're speechless. I don't know about you, but I think I would be the same way. I would be speechless. I would be uh, stunned at that moment. And verse 8, And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Verse 9, And he was there, and he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. So three days, he was blinded, and he didn't eat anything. So think about the uh, sim symbolic three days here. Who else was in darkness for three days before he was resurrected into marvelous light? That's Jesus. All right, so now I want you to look at that. That's important there. Three days in darkness, no food, no nothing. He, he was going through... Uh, Saul here was going through what you would say a metamorphosis, a change. Everything that was him of him of old, it was being purged out of him. He was being changed at this moment. He was not ready to open his eyes into the new light yet. God was going to do a work in his life. So we need to realize something. When God takes us out of darkness, it's a process. Amen? It's a process. And it's, it's not easy. It's not an easy process. It's, it's going to be hard. But that's where our faith is changed. That's where our, 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 our faith is changed in, in having faith in our own power into having faith into God. Because it's only through God's power that we can do anything. So he was being changed. Everything about him was being changed inside and out in those three days. Glory to God. Uh, look, look at verse 10 now. So he's going to Damascus. Remember, Jesus said, I'm going I'm to tell you what to do. It's going to be revealed to you what's going to happen. I mean, you're just going to have to trust. You're going to be in darkness. You can't see. You're not, you're not eating. You're not going to drink or nothing. He, 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 was, he was being changed. 
And it was a hard change. Verse 10, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. He's one of the disciples of Jesus. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. So see, that's where Saul was headed. And Ananias, he's being told now by God, this guy's coming. And this is what you're going to do now. So here we have somebody who was outside of God's will being changed. And now we have another person who they've never met before, but he's a disciple of Christ. And now he's being introduced into his life to help in that change. Do you all understand what I'm saying? God's going to use you. And he's going to use you in a mighty way to affect somebody who's not in God. He's going to use you in a mighty way. You may not even know this person, or you may know this person, but the circumstances that are happening here, God is aligning now. See, God is, His, His ordained uh, plan is coming into focus now. Because now Saul is, is like pliable. Now he's listening to God. He called him Lord. He said, okay, I, I'm, I'm here and I'm sorry. And, and he was bowing down to the earth to, to Jesus and remember Jesus was crucified and he and, and Saul thought well this is over all of a sudden the voice comes and he says who who is this Lord because he understood it was power and he said this is Jesus who you persecute amen and so he understands that now he's he's under a new authority Saul understands this but yet he's still going through a change he still has to go through darkness in order to this, for this to be fulfilled. And now Ananias, a, a disciple of the Lord, of Jesus Christ, he's ready now, because think about that. He, if he's a disciple, he's somebody who's ready to serve the Lord. Look at his response. In, uh, in verse uh, 10, he says, when he calls him by, by name, Jesus calls him by name, he says, Ananias, the Spirit of God. And he says, behold, I am here, Lord. He responds and he's saying, I'm right here. I'm ready. Amen. So God needs you ready. God needs you ready. The spirit of God needs you to be ready. You, we need to be somebody that is ready to do the will of God. So we got to be praying. We got to be seeking. We got to be reading this Bible. We got to be getting everything we can from God because now we're his child. We got to be ready. If we're not ready, how are we going to affect change like Ananias did here for Saul. I mean, Paul goes on to be one of the greatest disciples. He writes most of the New Testament, but it had to be somebody who was already willing, a disciple of Jesus, somebody was already there to help in that change. Amen? So we need to be ready. We don't know. You might be praying for a, a future Paul. You don't know that. You might, you might lay hands on somebody who needs prayer that God says, go pray for and, and, and lead them to me. Tell them about me. And you don't know what you you might be praying. You might be laying hands on a future Paul. Somebody that might make a change in, in the church for eternity. You don't know that. And Ananias didn't realize that. But he was ready and willing and obedient to do the will of God. And so he calls Ananias. Look at verse 12. 
and have seen, he, he's talking about, here's Jesus still talking to Ananias about Saul, who will become Paul, but he's coming to him, right? He's saying, he said, you're going to find one called uh, Saul in the house of Judas. And he says, behold, uh, for behold, he prayeth, verse 12, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. So, so God is telling Ananias the vision that he's showing Saul. Isn't that amazing how God does this? He's showing Saul Ananias. And at the same time, he's speaking to Ananias about Saul. And he's saying, this is what you're going to do because I've already ordained this. I've already shown this man the vision and you're part of it. Are you ready? Well, God knew he was ready. Otherwise, he wouldn't have used him. He said, I'm here. I'm ready to go. Uh, look at verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And now this is, a, I want to stop here because remember, Saul already had a reputation. And he had a bad reputation as far as I'm concerned, as far as Christians and the church of Jesus is concerned. I, I want to go... I want to go back a little bit and we'll go, we'll, we'll jump back, but I want to stop here and I want to go back a little bit in the book of Acts chapter seven, verse 58. And if you go back in that chapter, you're going to start reading about Stephen, how he was stoned to death because he stood for God. He stood for, for what God was, was about. He stood for Jesus. And Stephen was a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was one of the seven that was called to be the first deacons of the church. And he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to speak boldly against the sins of the Pharisees and the Jewish people. Well, they didn't like that. And they stone him to death. And, and Saul is here in that moment. He's, he's a young guy viewing all this. He's, he's seeing the, the stoning of Stephen. He sees the death of Stephen. The people that were stoning Stephen, they went and they laid their garments all right there at his feet. He was, he was the guy helping, holding the garments of the people stoning Stephen. So that's his background. That's, that's his understanding of Christianity. That was his understanding of the people of Jesus. We stone them. They, they're not good. That's what he grew up believing. And, and he was raised as a Pharisee uh, believing in that. So look at Acts 7.58. It says, And cast him out of the city, him being Stephen, the, the crowd, the people, and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes, clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. That's Saul. That's his, his background. So he, he grew up thinking, hey, these people, uh, so-called this prophet Jesus, they're not any good. We, we, we got to kill these people. And so that's how he was affected. That's, that's his... That was his interpretation. That was his experience. So now, now look at Acts 8, 1 through 3. Again, Saul. So in this, we see the beginning of Saul's reputation. Acts 1, Acts 8, 1 through 3, he says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, the death of Stephen. You know, Saul was like, yes, get rid of these people. They're no, they're no good. He was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. So 
This, this is a culmination of a lot of things happening at this time that were very important for the church. The death of Stephen, even though it was a tragic stoning of a man, a holy man of God, of Jesus Christ, even that was ordained by God. It was needed for a purpose. Stephen served his purpose unto death. And Jesus had said that to his disciples. He said, you're going to follow me unto death. You have to, you have to forsake everything for the call. For, for what we're fixing to do, what's about to happen. It was because of Stephen's stoning that you had a, a scattering of the disciples. And that worked for the purposes of the kingdom. Because because of that death, because of that martyr, the, martyrs, uh, 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 the martyrship of Stephen, it was because of that that the, the word of God, Jesus Christ, his message, it spread like wildfire because all those disciples began to go everywhere because they were being persecuted in Jerusalem. And what did Jesus say before all this? If you read the book of Acts in the beginning, where it talks about Jesus going up in the cloud, he says, you're going to be my, what? My witnesses here in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and all over the world. And that is what was happening right there and then. It was being fulfilled through the death of Stephen. And the persecution of the church was for a purpose. Glory to God. You know, you're thinking, that doesn't sound very fun, pastor. I don't want to be persecuted. But you know what? The Bible says that if we get persecuted as a believer in Christ, it's only to serve for good. God's going to use the bad and turn it for good. Here he took the death of Stephen and, and grew the church exponentially. The church began to grow. The message of Jesus Christ began to go everywhere because of that. And see, the Jews who were persecuting the church, like uh, Saul, they thought, well, well, we'll squash this pretty quick. Uh-uh. What you just did was you just, you just, you just, you just lit the match. <laughs> you, just, you just made this go everywhere. You just, this just went viral, as they say nowadays. You know, Everybody's going to know about Jesus now because you just took one of his and you're persecuting and you're just causing the whole ant pile to come out. Amen. How many have ever stirred a, a pile of ants? Not willingly sometimes, right? I remember that. Yeah, I, I, that's happened to me as a young kid and as an adult. And when you look at that, what do they do? They just go everywhere, right? Everywhere. They go everywhere. And that's what happens here. Uh, for the word of God, the death of Stephen was for God's purpose. So we need to understand that in our own life, that sometimes things that are happening in our life, and we're going, this is not right, this is sad, but we need to realize there's still a purpose under heaven for this. God's going to make something great come out of even this desperate, lonely, sad situation that I'm in. God is still going to do something awesome through this. And if we give it to God, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Glory to God. So, so in, in verses 1 through eight, one through 3 in, in, in chapter 8, the persecution of the church begins. And it says that, that they were all scattered. So look at the rest of verse 1. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Just like Jesus said, Judea and Samaria. Except the apostles. And then look at verse 2. And a devout... A devout man, a man, devout man carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation for him. And look at verse 3. 
And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women committed and committed them to prison. So he's, he's in the middle of all this. He's, he's loving this. He gets, to, he gets to arrest everybody and throw them in prison. He, he's in the middle of all this havoc and chaos that's causing the scattering of the Word of God. At the same time, Saul is thinking, well, I'm, I'm doing good for, for God because I'm, I'm getting rid of all these Christians who are, who are, who are giving this, this, uh, this new thing about this new gospel of Jesus. Who do they think they are? You know, he thought he was doing the right thing, but he wasn't. He was so deceived. Amen. And how many, how many of us understand that there's a lot of people out there right now, they're deceived and they believe they're doing good and they're totally deceived. It's the same thing that happened then. It's the same thing that's happening now. Amen. Satan only has one trick. Amen. Glory to God. You need to realize that Satan has, doesn't have a lot of power. He doesn't really have any power at all. The only power he has is whatever he's allowed to do right now until Jesus comes back and squashes the whole thing. Satan only has one trick, and that's to lie and to deceive. And, and there's a lot of people in the world who are being lied to, and they're being deceived. And they believe that they're okay. And they're uh, living a lie, just like Saul. Amen. All right, let's go back. Now that we've got a little bit of background on Saul, let's go back uh, to Acts chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 22. So again, we left off. He, he has seen Jesus. He's been blinded. He's not eating. He's not drinking. He's, he is debilitated. He is humbled. And now he's waiting on this man called Ananias who's going to come lay hands on him and pray so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias, verse 13 of chapter 9, he's going, Hey, hey, God, do you know who this guy is? You're calling me to go pray for this guy who's been killing Christians? You want me to go pray for this man who's persecuting the church? So this kind of reminds me of another guy named Jonah. <laughs> that Jesus, or that God says, go, go, go preach to the Ninevites. The, sinful, the most sinful part of the world. Go to Nineveh. Jonah says, nah, they deserve punishment. I ain't going. Why are you sending me over there? You know, that doesn't make any sense, God. Here's, here's Ananias being told to go pray for Saul, the guy who's been killing Christians and imprisoning everybody. He's going, why are we praying for this guy? He's the enemy. Have you heard what he's done? You know, Ananias is asking God if he's heard what he's done. And this is kind of funny because, you know, God knows all things. But here's Ananias asking anyway, how many times have we asked that question to God? God, are you serious? You want me to pray for who? You, you want me to pray for what family? Uh-uh, they, they don't, they're, uh-uh, I ain't going over there. How many times have we done that? But we don't even realize the purpose that God has for that. See, God wants to make things new. If you're new, he's going to use you to make somebody else new. You're, you're, in the, you're in the will of the Father. You're, you're, a, you're a son and daughter of God. You've been saved by Jesus Christ. You have experienced the new, and Jesus wants you to take that to somebody else. And even if it's somebody with a bad reputation, you still got to go because God's got a purpose. Because you don't know if those people have been praying for someone to show love and compassion that they've been hearing about. Somebody is praying and saying, God, I'm at my lowest point. God, they say you're a loving God, 
God, they say you're the God of compassion, so I'm, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to pray. And God hears that sinner's prayer. Amen? That's the first prayer God hears from people is the sinner's prayer. He's, that, yet you say, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Please, I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. That's the first prayer God hears. Because when you're in sin, God doesn't hear your prayer because you're separated from God. But when you pray the sinner's prayer, that is the first connection to God. And God is going to send somebody your way. He's going to send help, whatever it may look like. But what I'm saying to you is that, see, Jesus here told Ananias, he said, you're going to go down to this house and there's a man called Saul. He has been praying to me. And you're my answer. I'm sending you to answer that prayer because I've already given him the vision. So what I'm telling you this morning, church, is that you might be the answer to somebody's prayer. Amen? Somebody in Ryan is praying. And maybe you haven't even thought about praying for them. You haven't even thought about them needing something. But maybe God's going to call you to pray for them. And you're going to cause a change in that family or in that generation. You may not even get to see the whole thing, but if you obey God, He's going to do amazing things through you like He did here for Paul or Saul who becomes Paul. Glory to God. So so He's telling God this. Look at verse 14. And here He hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Verse 16, For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. He said, Ananias, it's not up to you. He's a chosen vessel of me. Ananias, you got to go. Amen? So when God says to go, we got to go. You can't, you can't just... Sit back. If God is calling you to go, if he's saying go pray, go do, then we must do what God says. Because if we don't, then we're just doing the same thing that Saul was doing. He, Saul was a persecutor of the church. He was going against God. And if we don't go and listen to God, we're going against God. Amen? I don't know about you, but God once told me this when, when I was kind of on the fence on what he was telling me. I said, like, God, are you really calling me to go? Are you really sure? And and then God gave me these words. He said, well, hey, Jonah ran. (laughs) Think about that. That's all God told me. He said, Jonah ran. Look what happened to him. Amen. So I don't run anymore. (laughs) Okay. I don't run. I say, God, if you're calling me to go, I'm going to go. Because I I, I don't, don't, I'm I'm good. I don't need anything to swallow me up. Okay. Uh, I got it. I understand. How many, how many days and nights was Jonah in the fish? Amen. So I don't know about you, but uh, I don't want to be anywhere bad for three nights while God works on me. I just rather say, God, I'm good. I'm going to go. Okay. If you call me to go, I'm going to go. Thank you, Father God. Amen. So he, so he's telling you go. He's telling him to go. Now look at verse 17. And Ananias went his way. And he did a good thing right there. He went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, brother Saul. He called him brother. The guy that was persecuting him. He said, brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest 
hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Verse 18. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. Verse 19. And when he had received meat. So this is the first time he had eaten. So think about the, the change here. He didn't eat at all when he was blind. But as soon as somebody prayed for him, he received his sight. He received his strength. The Holy Ghost came upon him. The power of God came upon him. He was baptized. He was changed. And he began to eat. Because now he was a new creation in Christ. He was getting new strength physically and spiritually. He was strengthened. Look at the rest of that. Then Saul, certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus, he went with the disciples, verse 20, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues. Remember, he was headed to the synagogues to go arrest everybody. Now he's going to the synagogues to preach Jesus Christ. Think about the change. Think about the people that saw Saul leave. Remember, he went to the high priest as Saul. He said, hey, give me some documents that I can go do this. Because I'm ready. I'm, let, me, let me go arrest all these Christians for you. So give me some documentation and I'm ready to go. So he's gone and now he gets there and he's totally changed. And now he's preaching Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. And that, the, and that he is the son of God. Verse 21. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which, which called on, his, on this name in Jerusalem and came hither? Uh, for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. Amen. So because of Ananias' obedience, because of the encounter with Jesus Christ, we have a, a change in this man. Saul becomes Paul and he's given him a new life a new vision, a new purpose. Glory to God. What's, what's your role today? Are you Ananias or are you Saul? Amen. Glory to God. We got to ask ourselves that. Are we going against God's purpose for our life? Or are we part of the solution for somebody else's life? Because you're either going against God or you're with God and you're willing to be part of the solution for somebody going against God. Because he might call you one day to go pray for us all. Amen? You might be Ananias. You are a child of God. You are somebody that can be used by God. So the only way we do that is if we are seeking diligently for his purpose and righteousness in our life. If we want power, if we want purpose, and we want direction, then we got to pray for it. we got to ask God for it. we got to fast sometimes for it. You know, he was actually in a fast. If you think about it, he wasn't eating. Prayer and fasting work. Let me just tell you that. Prayer and fasting work. When you do those things together, God is going to show up and he's going to speak. You got to be ready to listen and be ready to go when he says, all right, here's your purpose. Are you ready to go? And you got to go, I'm ready. Amen. Glory to God.
If you want to make a lifelong decision to follow Jesus Christ, pray this with me. Dear God, I am a sinner. I am sorry and I repent of my sins. I accept your free gift of grace that was your son, Jesus, his death on the cross for the forgiveness of all my sins. Come and live in my heart and I make you the Lord of my life. Amen. If you pray, prayed that prayer with me, I want you to know that you're freed from sins. You, are, you have become a new creation in God because of Jesus Christ. The next steps are crucial. The next steps are very important. If you made this decision to follow Jesus Christ and to follow him the rest of your life, find a good Bible preaching church. Get connected to the Christian community that believe in Jesus Christ and preach according to the full gospel of the Bible. Begin to study that Bible and then follow the Spirit's call for your life. I'm excited for you and your decision that you have made. And I'll be praying with you that God will lead you through the Holy Spirit to the full salvation knowledge that he has for you. God bless you. Well, that concludes this episode of The Encounter. Thank you for taking time to meditate on the Word today. God bless you, and may the Spirit of God guide and lead you always.